Welcome, Multiply fam. Welcome to our online crew as well. Hey, let me let you know, I know we've got a lot of stuff going on around here, no surprise, but let me let you know of a couple of other things that are real important. You know, we've been, we've been kind of dripping some vision right through this series and talking about our, the growth of the county, talking about the land that God gave to us across the street, talking about how we've slowly over the last 20 years been stepping into that land, the original land that our founding father, Pastor Tom, asked for from Mr. Cannon, all of that. And so we're getting ready. We've been dripping some vision. We're getting ready to open the faucet. We're going to open the faucet a little bit more, and we want you to be some of the first to know. So let me give you a couple of opportunities. The first would be this Wednesday, 645. This Wednesday, 645, Sweet 15, dessert. Everybody say amen. We got dessert at 645 and coffee. So come out, come out. I want to encourage you, make that a priority. It's going to be fun. You're going to be some of the first to hear some of what God is doing, dropping into our spirit. If you can't make that for some reason, Tonight, actually, we are doing a, a virtual night, and that is at 7 o'clock. At 7 o'clock, you say, awesome, I'll go home and I'll log on. No, it doesn't work that way. It's a Zoom meeting, and you're going to need a, a link for that, okay? So don't, you can't just pull up your app or, or YouTube or whatever. Um, online fam, we want you to be a part of this. You are a part of who we are. We know that there are some that are shut in and live in different states and different areas. You are part of the Multiply family, but to those of you in the house that can't make Wednesday. So here's what I need you to do. Online fam, you got it easy. Just click the link. They're dropping a a link right in the chat. Click on that. That will provide you the Zoom link. Um, People that are in the house, just email info at multiply.church. Info at multiply.church. We'll send you a, a, a Zoom link. And I can't wait to see you tonight. We've been doing some of these meetings and, and just people are excited. It's just, it's contagious already what God is doing. Um, I want you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to Genesis chapter 17. I know you're thinking, Pastor, we made it to Genesis 21 last week. You're going backwards. And yeah, we kind of are because I missed something. And, and God showed it to me uh, this week in Genesis 17. And he's been stirring it all week. So uh, God, help me to preach it as good as I've heard it because you, you dropped it in. So God, help me to communicate it. Genesis chapter Chapter 17, have you ever been frustrated that you've, you, you've lost something? Um, your keys, your cell phone, your sunglasses, your child. I don't know what, I don't know what it is. In every, in, every, in every relationship, whether it's a friendship or a marriage, there's, there's, usually, uh, one, there's usually one loser in the relationship. Oh, I'm sorry, there's a better. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's a better way to say that. What I meant to say was there's usually one person who loses things more than the other person. Just go ahead. If you're sitting by that person, you can point them out. Go ahead. But here's, have you ever, have you ever done this? You've lost something. You've been so frustrated. Uh, not to, quite to the point of anger, but you're nearing there. And, and, and only, only to discover after 15 or 20 minutes of frantic searching that what you were looking for, you, you already had it. The, the wallet was in your pants pocket. 
the cell phone, the cell phone rang like in your in in your shirt. Your your glasses were on your head. Come on, come on. Admit it, this is this is confession time in the house today. You all you already what you were look what you were looking for. You already had it. Imagine how much time you could save if you realized that what you were looking for, you already had it. Imagine how much less frustrated you would have been if what you were looking for, you realized you already had it. I want to preach to you today that in many ways, what you're looking for in life, you already have it. Turn to your neighbor, tell him you already have it. Verse 15, then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, I, lo- <laughs> I, just, I just like laugh at things in scripture sometimes. I'm thinking like God's talking to Abraham. He's saying regar- regarding Sarai, and Abraham just does one of these, and God's like, you know, your wife. And Abraham's like, oh, yeah, that, that's Sarai. I don't know why God had to clarify that there, but he did. Regarding Sarai, your wife, her name her name will no longer be Sarai. God had just changed Abram's name to Abraham, and now he's changing Sarai's name. From, from now on, the Lord says, from now on, her name will be Sarah, and I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings and nations will be among her descendants. I remind you today that in the scriptures, names are significant. Names carry covenant identity. They carry blessing and assignment. They carry anointing and destiny. And so Abram means exalted father. That's pretty good. But God says, I want to make you, I want you to go from good to great. And so God says, you're not just going to be exalted in and of yourself. I'm going to bless through you. And so he changes his name to Abraham, which means the father of many. I'm reminded that sometimes it's small changes in your life that will yield big results. Don't ignore when God wants to make a small change in your life. It could go from God just blessing you to God blessing many other people around you. And so God now says, I'm going to change Sarai's name. So remember, names are significant and names carry all of this. And, and so Sarai, Sarai meant princess. And God says, I'm going to change your name to, to Sarah. And Sarah means, are you, are you ready for this? Are you ready? This is, a, this is a big change. So Sarai meant princess. And now Sarah means princess. You're thinking, what I'm thinking, God, is this a, is this a typo? Did you, did you mess up here? Pastor, Pastor Bill, your name is no longer William. Now it's Bill. I, well, thanks, God, but it's kind of the same. It's kind of the same thing. And I don't know about you. What I, I used to, when I read things in Scripture that I didn't understand, I used to just gloss over them. I'm like, well, let's get to the stuff that I do understand. Like, let's jump to John 3:16 for God so loved the world. There, good. We got my got the devotion in. But what I want to encourage you to do is that oftentimes the greatest revelation that God wants to give you is from the thing in scripture you initially read and you don't understand. Right? God doesn't give pastors don't have a different copy of the Bible and a different Holy Spirit than you do. 
You've got the same scripture and access to the same Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you in your personal time with the Lord, in your personal devotion time, if you come across something that you don't understand, lean into that and say, God, show me. There's going to be revelation. God, Sarai, your name was princess, and now it's going to be princess. And so what, what, is, this, what is this change? And so lean into, those, lean into those times. So I started doing a little bit of studying. And um, so scholars, scholars think that part of what God was doing is the adjustment in spelling had to do with where Sarah was living. And so Sarai was the spelling of princess in the land of Ur, Right, And then she's going from Ur to Canaan. And so Sarah is the spelling of princess to Canaan. And so I started to, started to dive into this a little bit more and started to ask God, okay, well, what's going on here? And I think part of what the Lord was doing is he was reminding Sarah, because remember, it had been a long time between when God spoke the promise and Ishmael's on the scene and Hagar is still very real. And so one of the things that I think that God was doing was he was reminding Sarah where she was going and making a small adjustment in Sarah's life to remind her that her destiny is still good. But you know what? Even greater than that, here's what I think. I think God was saying to Sarah, because remember, what was Sarah's situation? Sarah was, Sarah was still barren, right? I, I wonder if there were days when Sarah felt overwhelmed. I wonder if in some of her weaker moments, Sarah felt that the lack of covenant promise through a son was her fault. I wonder sometimes if she felt like she could never be the wife that God had called her to be. I wonder if she felt like she would never be the mother that God had put the desire in her spirit. I wonder if someday she felt like she was holding Abraham back. I wonder if she felt like she was less than. I wonder if some days Sarah felt unworthy and unqualified. And I wonder, I just wonder if part of what God was doing was saying, Sarah, you're not only going to the promised land, but the thing that I've called you to do, it's always been in you, Sarah. It's always been in you. Can I speak to the women of God in the house today? Can I speak to the ladies of God in the house today? Can I remind you that regardless of your feelings, that what God has called you to do will not overwhelm you. It's always been in you. It's always been in you. I'm going to make a shocking statement. May get me canceled. Our YouTube channel may, be, may, may go off the air. If our YouTube channel goes off the air, switch over to a, another platform. I know this is going to be shocking, but men and women are different I, like I know that our I know that our society is lagging behind that, but men and women are different physically and emotionally, and in many other areas as well. And everybody that's married, say Amen to that. And so, and so the enemy knows that, and that's why the enemy attacks women differently than he attacks men. When, when I teach through this, men, it's not that 
there aren't going to be some of these things that you say, no, I, I resonate with that too. And when I get to Abraham, and ladies, you may say, no, I resonate with that. But do you know one of the primary women of God in the house, Sarah's in the house, one of the primary ways that the enemy will attack you is through your identity, through your identity. And that's why I think it's so important is that you realize you've always been a princess. You've always been a princess. I don't know. So for, for Sarah, I don't know if she was, we don't know a lot about Sarah's history, right? We don't know who her dad or grandfather was. We don't know about her childhood. I don't know if Sarah had always been treated like a princess, but she had always been a princess. Let me explain it to you like this. So for those of you under the age of 30 in the house, this is cash. Um, and what you would do is you would hand something like this to somebody that was at the cash register. They, this is what they would call those things, and they'd take your money, and then they'd give you money back. And it was this whole crazy interaction. But this $100, this $100 bill, this $100 bill has value, Right? Now, if I, were, if I were, in a sense, to mistreat this $100 bill, if I were to be careless with it, if I were to even lose it for a while, if it were to go through the washing machine and, and, and I was careless with it and I mistreated it, but, but how, much, how much is this thing worth right now? So you're telling me, you're telling me that even though this has been mistreated, it has not lost any value. Women of God in the house, can I preach this to you? Princesses in the house today, can I preach this to you? Even though you may have been mistreated, I don't know your past, I don't know your history, but just because, just because some jerk of a boyfriend treated you as less than 10 years ago, it does not detract from you, your value. You are still everything that God has called you to be. It's always been in you. As a single adult, I, you say, I, I, I don't know how to live pure in an age when all of my friends are, are living with their boyfriends before they get married. No purity has always been in you. You say, I, I don't know that I can be the wife that my husband needs me to be. No, it's always been in you. I came home with a newborn, and this thing did not come with an instruction manual, and I don't know how to be a mom. No, it's always been in you. I just got remarried, and I don't know how to do this blended family thing. It's always been in you. You just got promoted, and you feel like you're faking your way through it every day. It's always been in you. You're retired. You're an empty nester, and you don't know how to step into this season. It's always been in you. I want to prophesy to the princesses in the room today. It's always been in you. It's always been in you. You are worthy to carry the promise of God that he has placed within you. And just because Isaac isn't in you doesn't mean the promise isn't in you. You are a princess and you are primed for the promise. I need every woman of God in the house today to give Jesus a shout of praise because you are who God says you are. I will bless her and give you a son 
from her. Sarai to Sarah, princess to princess. It's always been in you, but as Sarai left Ur and began, began the process of stepping into Canaan, there was now a greater manifestation of what she had been carrying all along. If you're carrying Canaan promises, they can't be manifest in Ur. And so women of God, even when you realize that you are a princess, then the enemy will say, well, that's fine, but just be a princess of Ur. Don't stay a princess of Ur when God has called you to be a princess of Canaan. You got to step out. And as you step out, watch the Holy Spirit step up. Again, some of you feel unworthy to step into what God has called you to step into. You feel like a lack of past purity has marked you. No, your value is the exact same. And as you step out of Ur, watch Canaan promises become manifest in your life. Now to the to the Abrahams in the house, to the men of God. This is what I feel like the Lord wants to tell us today. Men, you, you already have what you need. You already have what you need. Verse 16, and I will bless her and give you a son from her. Where did Abraham's greatest blessing come from? It came from what he already had. If the primary attack against, the, against women of God is I'm not this kind of person, one of the primary attacks against the men of God is I don't have the resources. Women can say, I wish I was. Men can say, I wish I had. All the men just confess and say, amen, I wish I had. Amen. You're liars by your silence. <laughs> you wish you had one more gadget one more toy, one more boat, one more... Now, now are you tracking with me, man? I wish I had. Women, let me help you understand your man. Um, if, you, if you've been married and you say, I still don't understand this guy, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the playground this afternoon. I want you to observe a five-year-old playing in the sandbox. That's your husband. He just grew up. And the toys that he wants are infinitely more expensive than the toys that he had. But it's the same thing. So that'll help you there. I just thought I'd help you out. But men, men, what happens, what happens when the devil takes that and it goes beyond just wanting a new chainsaw or a new weed eater or a new lawnmower? It can go beyond boats and vehicles. Men, Here's what the enemy, the enemy is doing a bang-up job in our culture of convincing men that your blessing is through Hagar and not through Sarah. And this is the word of the Lord to you men. Everything that you ever wanted out of life is in Sarah, and everything that you have ever dreaded or feared is through Hagar. And the enemy will try to take your eyes off of the covenant spouse of your youth and put them onto somebody else and lie to you and tell you your blessing is through Hagar. Your anointing is through Hagar. That is the curse of the enemy. Every, every dream that God has put in your heart, all of your anointing, you already have what you need. It's in Sarah. It's through Sarah. It's by Sarah. And men, we need to lean into that and lean into what God has already given us in our lives. Let me, let me explain it like this. So men, one of the tensions 
And, and I understand in a lot of ways I'm preaching to um, spouses. And so if you are... Uh, if you are yet to be or on the other side or all of that, can you just walk, walk with me and, and, and apply this to your context? But let me talk to the men of God who are feeling the tension, because this is a very real tension that men often feel. Two, two callings, men, that, that you have, right, is to give um, attention and the best of who you are. And so that, that is in time and attention and energy, right? Time, attention, and energy to your, to your family, to your spouse, to your, to your kids. But then God has also called you to provide for that very same spouse and kids. And so you can, like, you can take your kids hiking and to Disney World all day, but when you're homeless, Right, and so you have you have to provide you have to provide for them as well. And men, that can be a very real tension that we feel. And then the enemy can come in there with guilt, and you feel some days, men. Here's here's how you feel: you feel like you are giving your best time, energy, and attention to your job, which is what God blessed you with in order to provide for the family. But then when you come home, you feel like you don't have the energy and the time and the resources to be able to give the very thing that you need to the spouse who needs it more than your employees do. Does this make any kind of, kind of sense here, man? And so what ends, what ends up happening? Well, let me explain it like this. So let me paint this picture. So man, I, I want you to, to imagine that you're standing in your yard and there's flowers around you, and there's grass around you, and the flowers here represent your, your family and your kids, and the grass out there represents uh, your, your work. And so it's the meeting that you have to go to, it's the conference out of town that you need to go to, it's the relationships that you need to cultivate in order to make the sales, it's the phone calls, it's all of that thing. And you only have one hose, and that's the challenge, right? Because like, I only have so much time. I only have so much energy. I only have so much attention. I only have so much attention. I'm confessed. That's a confession more than anything. I just, you know, attention is, is, is limited. And so what can end up happening is we feel like we are watering. I got, I got to water all of this area. This grass is turning brown. And, and but when I take my eyes off of this relationship at work, then this meeting, it fell through the cracks. And so I'm watering all of this because I only have so much resource and then I look down and I get home and now I realize I haven't given the best of me to my to my family here's here's I just want to change the picture for you I want to change the picture for you men what if what if you just shifted the angle a little bit what if you just pointed the hose down and began with giving your primary primary energy attention and time to your family. Here's, but you say, what about, what about my job? What about the, no, watch this. Does the grass still get watered? It does, right? What does it get watered by? It gets watered through the overflow. See, that doesn't work in reverse. If I water out, my family doesn't get watered from the overflow of my job, but my job does get watered through the overflow of my family. This is even biblical in the New Testament when God has given the requirements for leaders in the New Testament church. It says that you must be the man of one wife and, and, and you must give it. There's all of these requirements 
because it's talking about two things. What's it talking about? Public leadership, but then your private, how you are as a husband and a dad. And God says in order for you to be qualified to be a great public leader, you must first step into your role as a husband and father. And so dads, this is what I want to encourage you with. Husbands, this is what I want to encourage you with. I believe that the Lord is saying as you turn your attention even more to your family, God's blessing is going to overflow to your work and your meetings are going to go better and your sales calls are going to go better and your and all of this stuff around you is going to be watered not just the same but at a higher level when you turn your attention and focus on to on to Sarah on to Sarah you all, men you already have what you need you already have what you need Let me talk to everybody as we close. Verse 17. Then Abraham bowed to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100? He thought, how could Sarah have a baby when she's 90? And so Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. Have you ever prayed those kind of prayers to the Lord? I bet you have. What's an, what's an Ishmael prayer? An Ishmael prayer is when our conversations with God turn into times of trying to convince God why he should do less in and through us than he wants to. Here's, here's what an Ishmael prayer is. An Ishmael prayer is when our prayers can become trying to talk God down to our level instead of allowing our faith to rise to his level. So we can pray something like this. God, come, come down to my level of experience. God, God, would you just come down to my level of past failure? God, would you come down to Ishmael? I blew it. Isaac's no longer good in my life anymore. I guess I'm destined to live a Hagar and Ishmael life when my original promise was Sarah and, and, and Isaac. And I want you to listen to God's response. In verse 19, but God replied, no. No, Sarah, your wife. Sarah, your wife will give birth to a son for you. And his name will be Isaac. And I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. As for Ishmael, I'll bless him also just as you have asked. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become the father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. But watch this. God says, but my covenant, but my covenant, but my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac. How good of a God do you serve that he not only redeems your past, but the covenant is still good in your life? I need somebody to praise him today. I need somebody to praise him today he's got Ishmael and he's got Isaac too the covenant is still good in your life would you stand to your feet all across this auditorium with heads bowed and eyes closed I don't want to rush through this moment I just want to allow the Holy Spirit to do a little bit of ministry in the house today but with heads bowed and eyes closed women of God today I'm talking to you 
I'm talking to you. You would say, Pastor, something happened in my past that has caused me to feel like less than a princess. And today, I want to step into the value and the honor of my full calling. And I don't want to live out of past pain. I don't want to live out of past hurt. I don't want to live out of past neglect and regret any longer. Nobody's looking around. You may be 12, you may be 82, but women of God, you say, I don't want to live out of that past anymore. Would you just slip up a hand and put it right back down? Yeah, 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 yeah. Would you just, would you just let the Lord heal you through the Holy Spirit? Would you let him speak value into you? Isaac's still good. You're Sarah. You're Sarah. You're Sarah. You're Sarah. You are not how you were treated. You are not your past mistakes. You are not what you birthed in the past. You are not who you were in Ur. There are Canaan promises in you. I call you Sarah's. You're going to step out and step up. You're stepping out. You are the wife that God has called you to be. You You have everything that you need to be the mother to your kids. In Jesus' name. Men of God. Men of God, how many of you would, would say, I need the power and the help of the Holy Spirit to help me give my best time, energy, and attention to Sarah? And in doing so, I'm going to believe that the Lord is going to bless my business, is going to bless my ministry, is going to bless everything else. Man of God, if that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want that. I want that. I want to give the best to Sarah. She deserves it. My kids deserve it. My wife deserves it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray the anointing of, uh, of Abraham upon the men of God in the house today. God, I release them from guilt and shame and and, and how the enemy is trying to divide their time. And I pray over them today. I pray over them today that they already have everything that they need. One more prayer. One more prayer. You're in the house today and you would say, Pastor, I'm away from Jesus. I'm away from Jesus. And I want to step back into covenant relationship. If that's you today, would you just simply pray a prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud that says something like this. Jesus, forgive me. I know I've sinned, but I want to bring my sin to the foot of the cross. I accept that you died for my sins, Jesus. I ask you to become Lord of my life. Help me to live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.